Welcome to Powered by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we are coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. Yes. We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. So how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I am working currently on some resume information and redoing it. Mm. It's very daunting. It means I'm going to be changing my whole lifestyle if I get another job, which I eventually have to do. And then we went to the gem fair. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It's a lot smaller than I thought it would be. Yeah. It was it was housed in a single building and it wasn't it not that it wasn't very big, but it just wasn't as big as we expected. Right. We did have a fair amount of uh, vendors for gems and there were uh, quite a few, I mean, a majority of it, I would say, was metaphysical, really. Yeah. I mean, there were tarot readers, there was an aura reader there, lots of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. It was something different, and we learned some information about how to partake in it if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. That might be coming up. We, uh... oh, there's my kitty. Okay. Come on, Ember. As she moves across my lap in front of everything. <laughs> she hasn't done that in a while. Okay. But anyway, how are you? Yeah, you might want to move that closer. Yes. But, I know. Sorry. That's okay. Thanks. I had my microphone too far away because my cat decided to get across where I keep it. Now it's yeah. closer. Hopefully everybody can hear me again. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. Been doing a lot of gaming and playing Don't Starve Together with my brother and his boyfriend and then just started back up with Sea of Thieves, which is a pirate-themed one. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've been playing plenty, uh, probably too much, as usual. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> no, Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing Pathfinder on Saturdays. That's been fun. Great. Do we want to get started with the main part of our podcast? Yeah, let's dig right on in. We're going to start with some history of witch trials in England. Starting in the 15th century, spanning until the 18th century, was when England's witch trials took place, wherein the 17th century was the high point of the hysteria. This was at its peak during both the Civil War time period in the 1640s and the Puritan era in 1650s. Most who were executed were women, and estimated 90%. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. Over the centuries, much of that, what is known about these times, has long since been destroyed. It is believed that somewhere between 500 to 1,000 people were put to death under the pretext of being a witch in England during this time. So sad. It really is. And that wasn't the worst of it, if you consider all of Europe. Right? An interesting note is that witchcraft wasn't a capital offense in England until Pope Innocent VIII in 1484, who declared it as such. It was in 1562 that Queen Elizabeth passed a law called the Act Against Conjurations, Enchantments, and Witchcrafts. Here, a person who was convicted as a witch could be put to death if the crime was considered harmful. Otherwise, it was considered a smaller offense and would only mean imprisonment. 
Oh, because that was so lovely at that point. Right? Let's move on to the witch trials in Bailwick of Guernsey and Bailwick of Jersey in the British Isles. The witch trials of Guernsey and Jersey took place between 1562 and 1661. During a period of that time in the Isles, there was a high Catholic presence in part due to Mary I. She prosecuted those with opposing religious views, most often Protestants. Although Protestants did also prosecute some accused witches, it was by and large the Catholic influence that did the most damage. In the early stages of these trials, they were not arrested for being witches. One such person was Paratine, I think that's how you'd say it, Macy, or Massey, who was the wife of a Calvinist minister. She, along with three others, were originally arrested for theft, which they were found not guilty of. However, due to her husband's status of being a Calvinist, she was burned at the stake while giving birth. It was a baby boy born in the flames. That is so horrible. Uh, yeah. And the only thing that I think they would have believed at the time is that if the mother was a witch, then the child must be tainted as well. Yeah. And obviously, no excuse, but that's no. what I think the thinking would have been. Yeah. These three have since been named the Guernsey Martyrs. Not too many years after that, the witch trials began. Anne of St. Brillade in 1562, was the first to be tried in the Jersey British Isles. Through the course of these trials, people were burned, strangled, tortured, hanged, flogged, and or banished. One person who was banished for the accusation of witchcraft for some unknown reason returned later only to be arrested and charged again. She, Paquette Le Visconde, ultimately confessed to many crimes and murders while in the service to the devil. Another person arrested for witchcraft, Elizabeth Grandine, was released but only warned off the island. In yet another instance, Mary de Calais was convicted of witchcraft and burnt at the stake in 1617. However, two of her family members were merely banished. Not everyone received a trial. Some were put to death by common people who were just plain superstitious and afraid. One example is Elizabeth Gavi, who was found dead in on March 28, 1765. She was found dead. I can't remember where they said, but she was not, you know, she did not get the trial. Oh. Just people took it upon yeah. themselves. The last of the witch trials in Jersey was in 1736, ending with John Jarvis. It is reported that at least 66 people had been accused on the island before all was said and done. Wow. Now here are just a few other names I thought I might mention that were condemned as witches. Thomas Tugge burned. Joanne Tugge burned. Michelle Chivray, wife of Pierre Osmont, is burned. Paranel Chevalier strangled and burned in 1597. Mary Blanche died 1622. Marie Esnoff executed in 1648. Jean-Marin, Simon Vaudin, and Marie Tuguet, who is, by the way, not, from what I could tell, related to the other people named Tuguet. So those are just a few to go along with if you're ever interested in kind of checking that out. I didn't find a lot of information on them separately, but 
those were a few of the names that went on. And I thought it was important to mention some more and give an idea of how they were executed as best I could. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. And it's going to remain that way in our episodes because I'm doing burned, well, not burned, which is, which is put to death. Witch trials. Witch trials. Yeah. All which of that. were horrible regardless. Yeah. And so many to follow throughout Europe. Mm-hmm. I just started with England. I think that I've got quite a long way to go just to go through England. Mm. Anyway, how about we move on to something perhaps a little nicer? <laughs> All right. Balance things out. Yeah. We have magic in Egypt. Egypt was a country steeped in magic. It was a part of their spirituality, medicine, and even everyday life. The main Egyptian civilization ran from 3000 to 550 B.C., Heka was the deity known to be the one that gave the gods their power and lent his power so that balance, harmony, and every other part of life was possible. Heka was magic, but was also the practice of magic. Heka was in everything, so that every act of magic, Heka was part of it. Maybe because of the prevalence of Heka, there were no temples, no cults, and no formal worship. Heka's hieroglyph was used interchangeably with God and power. Heka was also considered to be the power to manifest, the cause, the action, and the effect. He is sometimes said to be the son of Sekhmet, the lion-headed goddess of vengeance. Everyone had Heka. The gods had the most, the pharaoh had a lot, and the rest of people had differing amounts. Now, most Egyptian magic was geared towards protection, whether from spirits, foreign demons, sorcerers, sorceresses, or an angry god or goddess. These were thought to cause the kinds of problems like illness, accidents, poverty, and infertility. The best way to drive off these were to stomp, shout, and make loud noises with drums, rattles, and tambourines. The most vulnerable who were women who were pregnant, about to give birth, or children themselves, which were, of course, susceptible to all kinds of ailments. Wands made from the ivory of hippopotamus. Mm-hmm. Let's say that over again. We really should have kept some of the bloopers of our earlier programs because that would have been fun. Well, now we're keeping this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wands made from the ivory of hippopotamus tusks were carved with scary-looking figures and were used in protective rituals for pregnant women, possibly using the wand to draw a protective circle around said woman. Spells were usually divided into two parts when they were written down, a chant, or words to be said, and then the things to do. Spells could include music and dance, and or things such as pointing and stamping. For the magic to work, all the words, especially the names, had to be said the right way. That's because, in Egypt, one had a public name, and then one had a secret name known only to the person and the gods. If That's one... carried over into Wicca as well. Yes, yes it has. If one knew the secret name of someone, then they had power over them. A spell could also be used to activate things like an amulet, a figurine, or a potion. Potions could contain odd or bizarre ingredients like the blood of a black dog or the milk of a woman who had borne a male child. Protective amulets were a big thing in Egypt and were worn by pretty much everybody. These could take the form of deities, animals, or use royal names and or symbols. 
Other things like long life, prosperity, and good health were also featured in amulets. Priests kept the status quo, keeping the temples clean and pure, and also teaching the masses about particular gods and goddesses that the priest followed, and how that god or goddess fit into everyday life. Their magic was mostly ritual and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Magic was used alongside the practical measures of medicine, rather than instead of it. There were also a couple of different kinds of physicians. The And I can't pronounce this because there's no vowels in it. The SWNW, which was a general practitioner, and the SAW, which focused on magic. It was important that the physicians be trained as they were dealing with chaotic energies and forces that could be unpredictable. I didn't see how long they had to be trained, but they were definitely there was definitely training in being a physician, mm-hmm. just like it is today. Mm-hmm. Different reasoning, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Many beings could be the cause, and I'm sure each one had its own way to be dealt with. Like demons... They were thought to be attracted to nasty things, so a pile of shit might be brought in to lure the demon away from a sick person, or a jar of honey might be brought in to drive it out. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Right? Most Egyptian magic was made to heal, but curses were used, mainly by the state against enemies. It was kind of frowned upon using the darker magics, as it is still. Right. A clay pot might be inscribed with the enemy's name, and then it would be burned, broken, or buried in a cemetery. The cemetery was like thinking that those spirits would come and attack the person that was buried there, or the jar that was buried there with the person's name on it. The urn. Uh The urn, yeah. The thinking being that that would affect the enemy and cause them to be weaker or destroy them outright. Also, the forces arrayed against the divine order would be cursed like Apophis, who was at war with the creator god. His images would be written on papyrus or modeled in wax, then stomped, spat on, and otherwise destroyed. There was even magic for the dead in the form of the Book of the Dead. Inside, it was a kind of roadmap to the land of the dead, what animals to turn into if you encountered certain spirits, how to answer the god's questions, and words and gestures to perform to deal with certain demons. As you can see, magic was part of everyday life, as well as death, almost every moment in Egypt. Yeah. That is very, very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Now we move on to a little bit of a... Poem. Poem, yeah. I haven't done a poem. A treat. In... Yes, a treat. We, I hope it's a treat. Uh, we have not done a poem in a long time. So yeah. I picked something for the time of year. And it is called Autumn Leaves by Juliana Horatia Ewing. The spring's bright tints no more are seen, and summer's ample robe of green in russet gold and brown, when flowers fall to every breeze, and shed reluctant from the trees, the leaves drop down. A sadness steals about the heart, and is it thus from youth we part, and life's redundant prime? Must friends like flowers fade away, and life like nature know decay, and bow to time? And yet such sadness meets rebuke from every copse in every nook, where autumn's colors glow. How bright the sky! How full the sheaves! What mellow glories gild the leaves before they go! 
Then let us sing the jocund praise in this bright air of these bright days, when years our friendship's crown, that love that's loveliest when it's tis old, when tender tints have turned to gold and leaves drop down. Lovely. Thanks. I thought it was pretty sweet for the season. Mm-hmm. And now we have this couple of weeks' tarot. Okay. Today, the Six of Swords. Here we have a woman in a boat pushing herself away from the shore, leaving someone behind, but also has a babe in the boat with her. The question is, has the one woman taken the babe, or is she rescuing it? There are alligators swimming towards the boat. Sometimes we have to make sacrifices or hard forward-thinking decisions and leave things behind, moving into the unknown. This can be scary and somewhat dangerous. We have to be vulnerable. But here we have faced the hardest part and are prepared for what's coming our way. We know there are difficult choices to be made ahead, but they will be leading to new beginnings. The circumstances for the journey may be questionable, but the journey will occur nevertheless. What are your motivations for your actions? How are your emotions determining your choices? Will these things be harmful to others? First, think about what the right thing is to do, and then move forward with it despite how difficult that might be. Thank there you. we have it. <laughs> yeah. Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. I'm Tatiana saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia saying so long and thank you for writing with us. This has been Powered, Powered by, by Magic. Magic. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Okay, we didn't do a beg. We have to do a beg. Oh, please, please, please make comments and send us stuff. We want to hear from you so much. Yes, and we have a nice following going on right now, which we are ever so grateful for. And We yes. just want to put that thanks out there to the people who are listening to us. Yes. And muddling through with us. Hopefully, I mean, they're coming back, so enjoying us. Yeah. But we do also need the likes on the various formats, forums. It would be helpful. And we would love your questions, your comments, your thoughts, Everything. any of it. Please engage with us. Okay. Yeah. All right. We've done our begging. <laughs> <laughs> had, I, had, I realized the other day we hadn't done that in a while. And I'm like, okay, we need to beg. We need more input. And hey, if you can give us input as to what you want to hear about, yeah, that would be really awesome. That would be very, very helpful to us. Mm -hmm. Okay. So have a great one. Yep. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.